there's someone you should meet. Ladies and gentlemen, there's someone you should meet. When it comes to the hierarchy of college sports fandom, this man, my guest today, sits near the top and in the dark and treacherous landscape that is the world of Texas A&M and college football Twitter, my guess is a beacon of light and hope. <laughs> so if you love or if you hate the Aggies of Texas A&M, this man is a must follow on Saturdays during football season. You can find them at, at Prop Joe says, hashtag free string on Twitter. <laughs> You could also read his all caps previews and instant game reactions on all things Aggie football at goodbullhunting.com. Please welcome Mr. Shaylen Singh, or as many people know you as simply String. So, how goes it like today? You're overselling me a little bit, man. Like, I, I, I feel like I, I've got to, I, I have to live up to that intro somehow, <laughs> man. It's going good. Just a normal, normal day of just. Nothing too exciting, just normal stuff. Got to got to commit earlier today, which is super exciting. We did, um, we yeah, did. we did. So we got a quarterback taken care of for twenty twenty three and big recruiting weekend. Besides that, everything else is going good, man. How about you? Well, well, it's uh, we're taught we're chatting on a Friday, so all things are always good on a on a Friday. We have a little there nine, you go. We have a little nine month old, and we have her. Oh, did, that's awesome! Boy yes. or girl? Uh, she's a little girl right now. Awesome. And we, is this your first? It's our first, and literally yeah. just this morning, she she crawled. For the oh first, yay! <laughs> for the first through the night time. or anything like that yet? We are on a, a relatively uh, predictable schedule right now. That's we're, awesome. we're waiting That's for the, the ball thing. to drop and uh, to get all crazy again. But right oh, now it'll just, get crazy and yeah. it'll go back to normal. And that's just the, that's the fun of it all, man. That's the fun part of it all. Yeah, it's a sweet it's a sweet little season. So, that's awesome, uh, man. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, with your your following on Twitter. You are considered a, a micro influencer. Out of, out of <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think I really, it's, it's hard to put into words. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just a dude who tweets about football. Like, that's really fundamentally all it comes down to. And it's very strange to, it's very strange to, 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 to recognize that I've got some sort of an online presence. You know, it's something I definitely think about. I definitely think about think about stuff a lot more before I tweet it, you know, just to make sure, just to, you know, recognize that what I say does reflect on, you know, Texas A&M as a whole and Aggie sports as a whole. And I always want to make sure that I'm, that I'm reflecting the positive image that obviously the institution and the football program wants, wants to convey, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a little surreal. It's, it's a, it's, it's a weird thing to think about because I really just, I don't. I, I guess I just kind of look at myself as just a dude who likes Aggie football, Aggie sports <laughs> in general. But uh, Aggie football is the one that I'm most emotionally invested in. Well, now you're you're our dude who yeah. likes Aggie. <laughs> football. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. You represent all of this. I, I was fascinated to know on kind of how it began. So, for a little bit of context on our listeners, it's crazy to think that it's now going to be about ten years now uh, that the site Good Bull Hunting, which is an SB Nation site for Texas A&M University. It uh, may be as good of a timing as you could ask for because it was created oh, yeah. right around the time of one uh, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, yeah. uh, came around and it's become, uh, it's just become 
you know, the epicenter of all things Aggie football, Aggie sports, uh, when it comes to, to memes, to just all things create craziness. Um, if you haven't checked out the tailgate during football season that comes out every Wednesday, it's a must read. And so, uh, String and I, uh, String much longer than I have me for a brief season, writers on the site and String is still on the site to this day. But how uh, how did that come, come about with the beginning of the site? And then um, just your story of, like you said, you're just someone who who, lo- who loves Texas A&M sports and just was tweeting about it. But now you look look today and you have and you have a, a very strong <laughs> tension of fans that um, that yeah. follow you. So I guess, I mean, I like my posting, I was, it, it's sad to say, but my posting on message boards and whatnot, man, that dates, I'm 41 right now. And that all stuff started probably when I was like 18 or 19. Cause back in the day, there used to be like, you know, CNN SI, CNN Sports Illustrated used to be, they used to have boards for big 12 and A&M and UT and stuff like that. And I used to post on there. And then I found tech tags in, in the fall of 99. Uh, so I posted on there for a long time. And then, um, Cuppy, right when Good Bull Hunting was starting up, he reached out. He's like, hey, would you be interested in writing for this site? And they had already, I think that they were they were basically about a year into the site. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, sure, why not? You know, they made it through the, the, they did a good job of covering their realignments and all that other stuff. And like you said, I, I, uh, I want to say that I started really writing for them that summer or right after the 2012 football season. So, you know, it was like you said, like that site at that point in time, everything was centered on Texas A&M because everybody wanted to see what Johnny was doing. And so, you know, every single day, it seemed like there was some bit of news about something or other. Um, so, yeah, the site just kind of kind of took off around then. And, um, you know, then we've had some ups and downs over the years. I mean, I think that the interest in the site and it really correlates to the interest in Aggie football, you know, the more the better we are, the better the the better we are. The better the um, information is, you know, the the more interest there is, you know, whenever there's drama going on in, the, in Aggie football, as there was for a good amount of time, you know, there's definitely uh, there's definitely more interest and stuff like that. But it's it, it's fun to um, it, it's fun to be able to contribute to a site that really does try to be the voice of fans. And I think that one of the things that I appreciate most about it, it's it, it's a group of fans that. You know, we can laugh at ourselves and we can make fun of ourselves and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's not really just self-depreciating humor. It's like, you know, I, I, I am proud of who I am. I am proud of the place that I got a degree from. You know, I'm proud of Texan. I'm proud of being Aggie, you know, and, and I have no problem like having self-depreciating humor. But at the same time, I've got no problem telling you to for, <laughs> for using expletives to if you come at me in the wrong way, you know, and I think that that's a, that there's a lot of there's a value in that of not just being kind of always humble and self, you know, self-depreciating and kind of passing out. It's, it's fun to like pat yourself on the back and be proud of who you are, good or bad, you know, and no matter what, I think it's, a, um, it's fun to be part of it. And I think on Twitter, whether it's A&M fans or UT fans or whomever, I think that the core group of folks on Twitter just kind of recognize that, you know, when you throw on a shirt for your school, it's not just a shirt that you throw on. It's not as if you're going to put it on, you know, it's not as if you're, you're not going to put on a shirt after you lose simply because that's all the stuff that you own. Like, all I own is A&M stuff, you know, so win or lose the next day, I'm still putting on an A&M shirt because that's what I own. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to, you know, it's fun to connect with other fans like that and, and to, and to share that particular perspective. Cause I think, you know, at the end of the day, all football fans are basically the same. They just follow different programs. What drew me to your account is uh, during game days, I always relate when you're talking about 
oh, it's time for me to change shirts. <laughs> or and you're always so you're always so transparent about how stressed you are during the game. And I'm I'm a pay, uh, my wife can tell you I'm a pacer. I'm yeah. I, I stand up and I just like walk around the house when the game the game is close. Has it has it been the same uh, the way you the way you watch football or any any of the sports? Has it remained the same from from being a student to now, or has it evolved any the way the way you watch the game? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that I was always super into it, and I've always been super into football. I love stats and all that stuff. I think that what, what's strange is that the older I get, the more emotionally invested I get. <laughs> and I think some of that has to do with the ability to more easily follow recruiting and the ability to be able to connect with individual players, you know, because you see their social media persona, and so you actually feel like you get to know them, which I think is super cool. But I would say that the older I've gotten, the more emotionally invested I am to the point where, like, I, I love football. I love a football. But, man, the months of August to December are just a lot of stress, you know. And, and, and honestly, there's sometimes when the season is over and we get past, like, signing day, it's kind of just nice to not have to think about, not have to be, like, to have that stress on the horizon. And, and I, I wonder if, that, if it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse the older I get. I wish I could have some healthy perspective on this stuff, but maybe that's part of the joy of it all. And it really, I think when it comes down to it, Aggie football is my hobby. And I'm fully 100% invested in my hobby. And I think any, any healthy hobby gives you the, the full gamut of emotions. So that, that's definitely what Aggie football does to me, for sure. So you're also, along with the hilarity throughout the whole season, you're also very well-versed on what's going on. Like you said, you mentioned, you know, we got uh, A&M got a, a quarterback commit today, and you, and you usually have some sort of input on something within the recruiting world or whether it be co- coaching, coaching developments. It does seem with social media today, now it's a college football Twitter is like its own channel that you can follow follow mm-hmm. now um i guess as a as an og uh at aggie <laughs> you just call me old Obi? man <laughs> no i only i only say that i no, you're I'm, good man you're I'm good right, worry, i'm man. right i'm right <laughs> i'm right behind you i only mentioned i only mentioned og <laughs> because you've been you've been following it before no before I, it was no, so before it was so before it was so yeah. accessible and easy yeah to to find i get what what was the uh what was it like, you know, during, you know, during the RC, RC era or even the, the Franchone, the Franchoni yeah. era fo- you know, so uh, following was, things like that? You know, I, I think that like, I mean, during, during RC, I remember whenever we would hire coaches and stuff like that, you'd read about it in the newspaper, you know, you know, you'd read about it that I remember back in the day when we hired the wide receivers coach from the, the, the San Francisco 49ers, Larry Kirksey, I think that was a 98 or maybe the, maybe the 2000 season, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you just read about it in the newspaper. You're like, oh, that's great. You know, and I think over time, like I, I started subscribing to TechSags service right around the, the Fran era. Um, and that's when there was the bulletin board site, but Billy used to send out newsletters by email, you know, and so I can go back through and find newsletters from like 04 or 05 and stuff like that. But I, I think that, you know, and, and now it's just everywhere you go, the information is out there. Not only is the information out there, you've also got people who are more connected to it and, you know, and, and can share rumors of the multiple people that are being considered for the position. It's funny too, like even, even now, whenever, you know, we just hired coach Sloss for, for, for baseball. And I will follow mm-hmm. Aggie baseball because it's an A&M sport, but I'm, I'm not going to be as obsessed with it as I am Aggie football, just because that's just who I am. I, uh, I'm not a huge baseball fan. 
but you know, as of late, we just, you know, hired a, we just hired a new pitching coach. We just hired a new hitting coach. We just hired a recruiting coordinator and all this stuff. You hear about it through Twitter and through stuff like that. So it makes you emotionally invested. And so I think that like, one of the things that I, I like about it is that ability to be able to see how the sausage gets made makes you more invested in the process. You know, mm-hmm. it, it makes you feel like you are, you're not just a, a, an outside observer, you are invested in that stuff. And that's part of the reason that I really enjoy following recruiting as painful as it might be, is that knowing this stuff and, and seeing players from when they were like 16, 17 years old, who are now coming to, you know, now juniors, seniors, stuff like that. It's just really, it's really neat to see. And then you see them go on and play in the league and stuff like that, you know, see them go on and head over to the NFL. And you're remembering back in the day when they had, you know, they were freshmen in high school or something like that. And you first heard their name on Texas. So it's just a way to feel more invested and more connected with the program. We met, we mentioned RC Slocum earlier and prayers up for yep, absolutely. RC and just, and just full, full recovery, an all-time great. If you're an Aggie fan, yep. you're going to know. RC Slocum uh, for you for you personally as a fan what are some from moments whether it be from childhood to pre- present what are what are some personal Aggie moments that have made made you lo- love the team or just even love fo- uh, following the following the sport itself oh man I think like there's there's a, there's a ton of them to think <laughs> yeah. about I, I remember back you know I want to say the 94 90- five season we came into the year ranked number three of course didn't end there because that's what, what we do sometimes <laughs> but we started off uh, we started off that year and Leland McElroy was a Heisman Trophy he was a Heisman Trophy contender and very first game of the year played LSU I can't remember what the score of that game was but I remember he just went off and had a great game and I remember that was super exciting because I was you know, just a teenager at that time so I was starting to think about what I was super into and that was right at the tail end of that was right when I was just discovering getting super into sports because the Houston Rockets have won back to back titles and I was super into the Rockets. And I'm like, it was always an AM fan, started following them. You know, I can think of games every single year that were really, really fun to watch. My freshman year in college, we played Oklahoma State and it was a double overtime game at Kyle Field on Halloween. Mm-hmm. It was super fun. Yeah, you know, the 98 season winning the winning the Big 12 title, you know, all the way up until I, I think with every you know, regime. I remember whenever uh, Fran was here in 2004, we played Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State, and a buddy of mine was stationed at a at a um, at a base nearby. And so he was like, "Hey, I got a couple tickets to this game. Do you want to go?" And I was in grad school at the University of Arkansas, so I made the four or five hour drive down to Stillwater. And uh, it was their homecoming, and they were favored. They were ranked like top 15 or something. And we just came in and straight whipped their ass. And that was that time where, in hindsight, it seems really silly, but in the back of your mind, you're like, wow, Fran is going to win us a national title. And just saying those words out loud seems really ridiculous right now. <laughs> but hope springs eternal, man. Like, there, there's been those moments, like, in every single coaching regime that we've been a part of. And I think that – so, you know, that was one. And even over the past few years, I, I can think back on even now as I get older with my kids and stuff, like I remember whenever we played Alabama in 2012, my oldest son, who's now 10, he was you know, maybe 18 months old, something like that. Um, and I had to feed him. It was time to, for him to get dinner, but I also wanted to watch the end of the game. And so I would like had him in my arms and I was like crouching down and swinging him around while we were, they were about to, we were about to punt the ball. And that's when, you know, Ben Molina hit him with the bob and drew, drew him off sides and all that other stuff. And I remember just throwing him up in the air. And that was just a great, you know, memory of that moment with my kid. Um, so, you know, 
I can really think about every single one of these times where like, like what that was. And, it, and the older I've gotten, I really try to situate them into what was going on in my life at that particular point in time. Um, and so I, I, it, it really, it sounds so trite and cliche to say, but it really is part of who I am. You know, it's part of when you're thinking of the fabric of who I am as a person, being an A&M fan is something that it's not just a hat that I put on. It's part of who I am, you know? And I think that that's, uh, that's one of the joys of following this stupid sport and following mm-hmm. sports in general is that you really do find a sense of identity in it. It's, it, it, it's fun. It's really enjoyable. You've gotten to be, you're the go-to of the pregame and postgame articles for, <sighs> for Good Bull Hunting. And it's uh, right. the fun of that side is that you get to be fully yourself. You get to be fully a fan while writing, mm-hmm. right, writing for the team. And you, you shoot those articles, especially your instant reactions. You shoot those off pre pretty quick is that just strict just off the dome you're just like i i'm just i'm just filling yeah. it out or and send it out or what what's kind of your I process mean, post game it depends on the game um i mean i i would first of all like i am not you know i am not a reporter like shahan who works for uh for for for, D, for dave campbell's or you know ben baby who covered a&m for a long time and now covered the Bengals or you know sam Khan. like all those guys are actually like legitimate reporters who know what they're talking about like I'm literally just a dude who's gone through the gamut of emotion, you know? And so I think Except that for uh, Ben baby, cause he's, yeah. he's biased and trying to, Oh, Ben's a good stand. dude. <laughs> Ben's a good guy. That's I good. Like he him. is. He, I, I love, I follow him as well. He's awesome. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, so I think that I'll take some notes during the game of just stuff that jumps out to me. Um, I'm always, so, and, and after the game is over, I try to make sure that, you know, just kind of write down thoughts. I'll go through the box score to see if we can identify like what went right, what went wrong. So, you know, I want to say not last year, but the year before when we played Alabama. Honestly, yeah, it was a year before when we played Alabama. I was looking at the box score and like, you know, the box score looked great. It was, you know, we we had we we matched time of possession. We made Tua throw his first interception. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't run the ball very well, but that's okay. You know, we we took care of the ball, but when you look at the box score, you see that we gave up three hundred plus yards in the special teams game to Jalen Waddle, you know, we just kept kicking to him. And so like, those are the things that I don't know if it may, I don't know if it helps the writing process, but that's the type of stuff I like to see as a fan to really understand what specifically happened. Um, and, and what are those contributing factors? So I might throw some of that stuff in there um, and then just kind of fire it off and, and, and go from there. It really is an opportunity for me to, to, to process through my own emotions and feelings and stuff like that after it's all over. And, you know, so, so really, I don't necessarily know that there's a process. I'll go through and look at the box score and just kind of think about what are some key things that I took away as being big things about this game, not so great things about this game. Like, you know, thinking about Auburn or North Carolina this year, really what jumped out about those games is we just flat out whipped their ass in the fourth quarter, plain and simple. You know, that all it came down to was us being better and more better conditioned and stronger than them in the fourth quarter. And we just ran them over to the tune of, you know, basically 150 yards in the fourth quarter for both, for, for both games. So yeah, just stuff like that, just kind of just putting stuff out there. And I don't necessarily know that I wouldn't read my stuff to get information about what happened in the game. I really think it is just an emotional reaction to what happened. And then you can read stuff from some of the other folks like Rush Roberts does a great job. Norris Camacho, do, they do a great job of actually breaking down the numbers from the game and giving tangible information 
Whereas for me, I'm just kind of, you know, yelling into a paper bag so that my, I don't wake my kids up in the middle of the night about whether it's good or bad or something like that. Love and, then, you know, and there's been, sorry. And, you know, there's been times too, like I remember the 59 to nothing game and then the, mm-hmm. uh, and then playing LSU in 2019 where it's halftime and I'm like, oh, let's just go ahead and write the post game and get this over with. Let's just be done. It's the game's over with, you know, let, it's fine, whatever. Just be done with it and check it off the list and go on with the rest of my night. So. Uh, I was just going to say that yeah, I've always admired it because writing for the the basketball team and trying to write soon after the game was over, it was uh, as a passionate fan myself, it is really difficult, especially after losses, yeah. to at least have some kind of <laughs> uh, yeah. like uh, I'm, I'm losing the word on me, but at least some kind of process and reasoning behind yeah. writing it, outside it, of just like the suck, the sucks, we suck. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that I'll give you credit for is you probably know a lot more and are probably much better, right? I think for me in that moment, I have to like I really do want to say that we suck. Or and, and there are times like that's kind of what I will say. You know, if we suck, then we suck. But I, I, I do. I'm not going to give you any facts, but I do try to make sure that I'm being fair in the moment. You know, mm-hmm. and make sure that like that the players aren't going to read it and be like, "Man, that guy's such a dick." You know, and <laughs> to make sure that I'm being fair. You know. And I, I think that there are times like there's definitely some of my biases come out. Like I was a big Kellen fan and I thought that Kellen got a lot of unnecessary grief last year. And so I probably stuck up for him more than, you know, potentially more than I should have, but you know, that's just part of being a fan. So I would definitely say that those, those reactions, as much as I try to make them rational, they're not rational in the slightest <laughs> little bit, man. Ain't nobody rational after a, a good game or a bad game. Like everybody's just kind of riding that high of feelings and don't worry about rationality the next couple of days. <laughs> you talk about your defensive Kellen. That definitely was a uh I don't I don't know how I don't know if I would call it a fun topic of discussion last last oh, year. Oh it wasn't but, fun at all. But it man. felt like it was so much uh just back and forth, especially especially on Twitter during all that. And it just always seems to come up, whether it be with your starting quarterback or just with how good your team is, if they're championship championship caliber, if they're truly elite. Um, so for an esteemed micro-influencer such as yourself, <laughs> when, when I'm sure you're getting, you probably get a, a little uptick, you know, at least in replies and what you're sending out. And uh, some of them are from good in good fun from opposing fans and some probably make you want to send, <laughs> send something off. So how, I guess, how's that bit? How's that been? Have you had to change the way you see responses or how you react to res- I mean, uh, responses? I, like I'm, I, 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 I like to think of, like, I like to think of myself as being pretty or as objective as a fan possibly can be, you know, like if we suck, and somebody says, Hey, you guys suck. I'm going to be like, yeah, we suck, you know? And I guess, I guess like the determination that I make is whether or not the the comment or something is in good faith. You know, if somebody says that we suck and they're just for the purpose of saying that we suck and they suck that day too, I'm going to say, well, you guys suck too. Like, (laughs) like, we share that in common, you know? Um, So yeah, I think that I'm all, I'm all for having a good conversation and stuff like that. I guess I just can't, I don't like cheap shots. I don't like taking I don't like taking cheap shots or people taking cheap shots at players. I don't like taking cheap shots at the program. You know, even there's times where I'll, I will absolutely poke fun at other programs. You know, I'll poke fun at UT as much as I possibly can. But even when I do that, I try not to like, I try not to take pot shots in a way that like 
I want to be, I want to keep it lighthearted. You know, there's so much like just, especially over the past year, there's been so much part of my business is so much shittiness, you know, and it's, it's been a rough, so I don't necessarily want to like get into this deep existential battle or crisis or frustration where everybody's venting out. And I don't want to do all that. Like I'll take fun, cheap shots, but you know, I'm, I'm all for having a good conversation. You know, I'm all for people replying back. And sometimes if I see something that somebody says something, I will absolutely spit back. There's sometimes where it's just easier to just ignore it and move on. We're talking replies from Twitter. So with that being said, we're going to transition. Uh, it was a game that we started in our last episode. It got a pretty good response. It's a little game we called Explain Your Receipts. Uh-oh. And so we did a little uh, – I don't know why I said we. It was me. For some, It makes me feel better when I say we. Uh, <laughs> I I just did a little did a little perusing, a little fun. Uh, oh, digging no. on, on the famous uh, at Prop Joe Says Twitter handle. And I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna read off some tweets from you, and oh, if you no. can, if you can remember or be able to provide sure. more con- more context behind Absolutely. them, let's go. We'll go back. Here's the oldest one: September eighth, twenty eighteen. Okay. Hi everyone. I'm at the game, and everything is bad. End of tweet. Uh, for a little September- bit of help, that that was the that was the Clemson game. Oh, <laughs> I I, I don't know what time that would have. Ben, I, 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 can you give me a time check on that? I just have a screenshot of, of the tweet. My only guess is maybe the the infamous uh, end zone fumble. Sometimes that was, that was yeah. My guess I would I would have to say that. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at the box score now too, and maybe it was in the first half where we were down fourteen to three. But I would ha- I would probably say that it w- it was towards the end of the game when uh, we were slowly starting to come back in the in the. Oh man, that was a tough one. That, it, that was a that was a tough one, but at the yeah that 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 was definitely uh, that was a tough game. So I would say it was probably probably either we were down we were down uh, fourteen to three, or maybe it was towards the point where we were so we were starting to where the touchback happened or something like that, or something happened to where they ended up kicking our butt. But I'm looking at the box score now, and like it's still shocking to me that we didn't win that game. We outscored them. 23 to 14 in the first in the second half like it still shocked me that we didn't win that game but that was probably that's my guess i'm gonna lock it in final answer i'm gonna say that that was the that was the um the the the, whatever the touchback rule which was terrible yeah (laughs) fun fact my my wife and i were going on a little over five years married um we were married in 2016 and that was our first uh real like in-game fight (laughs) <laughs> being upset at each other because I was so upset at the Cam Buckley fumble in the end zone. And then my wife wasn't sure what had happened and did not understand yeah. the fumble in the end zone rule. This is all going on <sighs> while, while, uh, while a hundred thousand people are chanting bullshit and Jim yeah. <laughs> screaming. And she's like, I don't understand why that is. <laughs> and no, I'm trying no. my best, I'm trying my best to explain her. And then when I finally, got to the end of it she just goes but that doesn't make sense and i just yelled i know, I know. <laughs> yeah yeah with well, that rule yeah. came back to bite us twice in two years because the same thing with travion's fumble against tennessee in 2016 yeah. like that's just that <laughs> but again we won we won that game so that's all that matters <laughs> but uh but yeah that was a oh that was impressive like, <laughs> it, you know it, it but at the same time too like you know i think all things happen for a reason that showed us how good we possibly could be and whatnot and i think that like more than anything you think about where the program was at that point in time that was what game two of the year i think 
and you think about where that team had been the year prior. That was a great, it was, we didn't win, but it was a great way for that team to start believing in themselves, you know, and start believing in what the coaches were doing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was a fun game, fun game. And (laughs) bam, like stupid. No, that's just frustrating Uh, to think about an hindsight. I know. Um, From one frustrating moment to another, this is from November 23rd, 2019. Um, This is also, this is also the, this is the Georgia. This is the Georgia. Georgia. Game. Okay. Oh, good. Third and short. Another opportunity for at SEC officiating to F us. No, he didn't say F. F us. <laughs> uh, excuse my language. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just self-explanatory. Like we got. I mean, like we that that like that game was. You know, uh, like the, 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 the like, I don't, I don't even, know, I can't even put it into words. Like, it's just how frustrating that dang game was. You know, and you know, and again, I look back in hindsight, and whatnot. Like for that 2019 season, what you cannot like the, the theme of that 2019 season is you cannot win, we cannot win a game with Jimbo Fisher unless we run the ball well. You can't. In that game, we had looking at it, 20 rushes for negative two yards. You know, uh, Isaiah Spiller had 11 rushes for seven yards. You can't win like that. But at the same time, even in the best of circumstances, you can't win like that. But whenever we were being mugged over and over and over again, you definitely can't win. So that's what it is. (laughs) It is what it is. I I stand by that one. I don't remember the first one, but I stand by that one. And I will I will put that one on my tombstone. Oh, I full. Yeah, I fully support. I fully support (laughs) it. If you know, you know about about that game. I'm All even right. looking at this too. Like it was rainy, but like we held Georgia the 36 rushes for 97 yards. I mean, it was rainy, but at the same time, we we did what we had to do that game. And, and man, if we had any sort of a rushing game, any sort of a rushing game, we might we, we maybe could have won that one. I don't know if we have 20 yeah. yards, then we win that game. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? All right, with this, so this one is a non non football related. Okay. One. Uh, this one, this is more recent. This was back in May, May okay. 24th. All right, so it's me giving advice to others. Don't sweat the small stuff. You have a finite amount of emotional injury to, to, to give. Use it wisely. But also, me to me, if I started a book in 2020 and finished it in 2021, <laughs> can I count it towards my 20, uh, 21 reading goals or am I a filthy liar slash unworthy of love by doing so? Yeah, no, I, so, I really related so to that I, one. So I blame the, I blame the, uh, I blame the, um, the, the app Goodreads for that. Oh, yeah. I read a lot. I like reading. I, I read a lot. I, I drive a decent amount. So I do audiobooks and I always have at least one book going and stuff like that. And that was, I, I, I can't remember which book it was particularly, but I was just in the one time I was like, I wonder how many books I've read thus far. And there was a book that started in 20, that I started in 2020 and didn't finish till 2021. And again, in the grand scheme of things, does that make a damn bit of difference? No, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. At no point in time is any gonna anybody gonna put a gun to my head and ask for an accurate count of how many books I read. <laughs> but in that moment, I'm like, well, I have to be intellectually honest. And you just go down this pathway of like, no, it, it, it is or it isn't. And it's just totally inane, ridiculous stuff. But there was a brief moment in time where like my anxiety was triggered because I'm like, I can't have an accurate count. My life is over if I don't have an accurate count. What am I doing here? It that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, ridiculousness. I've been I've been in that same in that same place before, so I had yeah. I had to ask. May I ask which book it was? The Warmth of Other Suns 
by Isabel Wilkerson. It's a, the epic story of America's Great Migration. It was a really excellent book, uh, but I, I started, it was a long one. And so I started that in November and it took me until, you know, January to finish. But yeah, so that would, that would, that would have been the one. So that was like, I think I want to, I want to say like a five, 600 page book, something like that. Very good. And she won a Pulitzer Prize for that. It's a really good book. Oh, wow. All right. I will put that on my to read. Want, want, want to read list. There you go. Um, I will end the uh, the, twi- the Twitter combo. So we, yeah. mention, we mention hashtag free string. Um, <laughs> I think I think the free, I think free string crawled so free Britney could fly. <laughs> free Britney predated me, man. We've been we've been, we've been riding for Britney since 2000, man. I know. Yes. Well said. Well said. So I think a really cool part of your following is so you've been able to have an account postponed and then you've been able to ri- rise from the ashes per se. What what happened for that for that to occur and it still it was a, I believe it was 2017. So when, it was a yeah, happened. it was 2017 and it, you know what's what's strange about it is this was a a somewhat difficult time in our life. We just moved from College Station the year prior. And so the Twitter account was really my way of staying connected to, you know, Texas A&M and whatnot. And so uh, we, I, it was the Florida game. And the next morning I woke up and I tried to refresh my feed and it wouldn't work. And uh, so then I, I tried to find out what was going on. I got the notification from Twitter indicating that I had been like suspended due to making terroristic threats I made an, uh, in hindsight, an off-color joke. Like there was a weatherman who said it was going to get a cold front coming through. And I was like, please, I need this. And if you don't do this, I will find you and I will end you and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, in saying it out loud, like I recognize now, like that seemed pretty crass of me to say, like I shouldn't have threatened to end a man in case he didn't (laughs) do his job. I felt pretty terrible about it. You know, obviously the the account went bad and I reached out. I found the guy on Facebook and I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I want you to know I did not mean to say that i was going to end you so just fyi and he was like oh no i didn't take it that way at all i took it as a joke um so that was basically that and so i started a new account with string says with the underscore and then i want to say the fall of 18 was when twitter was doing a uh, they were doing a purge of accounts that had been banned but then came back under the same phone number and so just right away it went away and, and you know for that first account i was pretty I was pretty heartbroken when it went away, just because, again, that was my connection to the previous life that I had when we lived and worked in College Station. Um, but the second time around, I just got a good kick out of it. And I'm like, oh, well, son of a bitch, let's just make another account and go from there. Right. And so, yeah, so now I'm on that on that third one. And I think uh, um, let's hope that this one sticks around. Let's, let's hope for the best. I'm not I'm, my fingers are crossed. I'm not really hopeful. I'm sure that at some point Twitter, Twitter will find a way to delete this one, too, and then we'll. I've I am a big fan of the wire and so we will find another character from the wire for another reincarnation. <laughs> will it be will the next would the next one be Avon says? I don't be, know. Uh, we'll go Avon or Omar, Bodie. Yeah. I don't really know. We'll find somebody though. <laughs> yeah, it's the P I feel like the in my opinion, the pink uh peak, excuse me, of the free string movement was you actually had a sign of uh ah. on college ah. game day. <laughs> Someone. I, that was the damnedest thing again. Like I, I, I have, like I, I mean this when I say it. Like I, it's, it, I am just a regular, normal dude who, like, I really enjoy watching college football and stuff. And so that was a, 
that was a surreal moment. A little uncomfortable moment, but that was a sur- that was definitely a surreal moment for sure. I was about to ask if you knew the person holding the sign. Oh, no, like, I, yeah. I I did not. I remember they reached out to me and they were like, "Are you comfortable if we do that?" I'm like, "Sure." And then, uh, you know, I appreciate them for you know for for, for caring that much and whatnot. But that was a very very surreal moment for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we will. Uh, I just got a couple of quick hitters for yeah. you, and, yeah, then you're good. and then we're going to wrap it up. So. So yes, so the original count was String says, you're now Prop Joe says, yes, mm-hmm. you're all his inspiration from all-time great TV show. The TV show. The Wire. Um, just off the top, top three favorite favorite Wire characters. Oh, I, I, so, I mean, String is probably one of my favorite. I feel like he's a super complicated character. I don't know if you follow Bamani Jones on Twitter, but he is very vehemently anti-string he thinks he's a snake and in hindsight yeah he is kind of a snake you know and so maybe i should but he was the one that i connected with the most you know season four where they showed the kids like i really loved all the characters of the kids in that like seeing mm-hmm. the struggles that Naaman went through and dookie went through and all those i think that that was really cool um you know uh, I, i'm trying to think of a uh, um Oh gosh, what was her name? Snoop, Snoop Pearson. So Snoop oh, Pearson. Yes. yes. And what's great, if you haven't read the book, there's a really, I've got it on my shelf over here. It's, it's called All the Pieces Matter, the Inside Story of the Wire. And so it's an oral history of the wire. Um, and what's really cool about it was that Felicia Pearson, the actor, the, 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 the actress, you know, she basically right around the time came out of a time where she was going through a difficult point in her life. She just got released from prison. And so she attributes her experience with the wire to changing her life. And in the book, Omar, you know, the actor who plays Omar Little was basically like, you know, that's the coolest thing about the show is that we took her at this particular point in time. And we're and now she is where she is. That's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say she's yeah, I think what I like about it, what I like about that show is that there's no such thing as a good guy and there's no such thing as a bad guy. Like it's that it depends on the lens by which you look at stuff. Like everybody's going to be a different person depending on what side you're on in that particular moment. So I really appreciated that. Second quick hitter. Um, another just fun, fun Aggie one. So one caveat is your answer cannot be Johnny Manziel, Mike Evans, Von Miller, or Miles Garrett. So just okay. that up front. But who is an Aggie football player from a previous era that you would want to see era. on this on this year's team or in okay. this era uh, this era of Aggie football? Okay, um, in the Jimbo system. Hmm. I would like, so um, I'm going to, oh gosh, a couple of them. I think that, uh, I think it'd be really neat to see what, um, I mean, this is kind of an easy one. What a guy like Martellus Bennett could do in this system, you know, Mm -hmm. like get a five-star tight end out there who can block and who can catch and who can run. I think that that'd be pretty phenomenal too. Um, One of my all-time favorite A&M players uh, is Cyrus Gray. I got I guy was just smooth with the ball. I would have loved to see what he could do in the backfield. I'm trying to think of who else. Yeah, shoot. Obviously, would love to see a Jake Matthews, a Luke Jokel out of tackle to get kind of dominant tackle out there. I'm trying to think of somebody. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good start. I, I mean, above all, I would, man, I would absolutely love to see what, what, um, Martellus Spennett could do. I'll give you one more. I would love to see what Terrence Keel could do in a, um, uh, in, in, a, in an Elko off an Elko defense that really features that rangy safety type play that can get down in the box and play linebacker too, but can also be in coverage. I'd love to see what Terrence Keel could have done in this uh, in this 
defense as well. Yeah, those are good answers. I came up with that question when I saw uh, Reggie McNeil Jr. On oh, Twitter yeah. The other That's crazy, man. 2024, like, we are all super old. We are all super, super old. So uh, it made me think of him. I was like, oh, man, I, I, I'd love to see him in, yeah, the, in be, the offense today. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so here's some non-football related. So uh, yeah. So what uh, what is a moment in your life that made you feel like the coolest person in the world? You sent me this one and I was thinking about it. I'm like, I really don't know the answer to that question. Cause I'm very, I guess I like, I never think of myself as being cool in the first place. And so I think that like, as a result of that, I'm uncomfortable with the thought that I could be cool. I'll give you some, like some, some miniature moments here and there. Uh, you know, I think that the first time that I, you know, I picked up either any of my kids from daycare, and um, whenever they're getting old enough to recognize you and you're old enough to like, they're old enough to know who you are and they're super excited to see you. So they haven't gotten to the point where they're like, oh, that's just dad. Um, but I think like there's that moment where like they're, they're so focused on whatever task that they're doing in that moment. And all of a sudden they see you and it's almost like a shock. They're like, oh, oh, it's my daddy. It's my daddy. I got to go. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's just, yeah, that's just the moment that makes you feel good about yourself. You know, like you could have had the shittiest day of all time, but that's a moment that really makes you feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say going back to football, anytime like any anytime it, a current football player or coach or something like that follows me or like likes a tweet, I take I, I take a little, you know, that makes me feel good because they because it, it 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 means that like I'm being a good representative for the institution, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so like I, I I I appreciate that a lot too. Um you Is know one that I'll stands say, out to you. You know, not really in particular, just just in general. I would say that the other one that was really, really cool and it was a really neat moment for for college football Twitter in general to kind of come together around the stuff going on with Aggie Achieve. And, and whenever all that stuff happened and, you know, we were able to clean out their freaking wish list and all that other stuff and, you know, seeing the videos of, of that, like that was really deep in a humbling way to be able to be like, I didn't do Jack. It's just a matter of connecting good-hearted, kind group of people who are invested in people's success with a program that's worth their time, you know? And so that's really, that's really neat to be able to take this stupid account, this dumb Twitter account that all I do is just basically like Mm -hmm. essentially yell into the void on a daily basis (laughs) and and, and to know that maybe something good came out of that. So I would say that those are kind of some moments that made me feel like I, you know, you're putting more good into the world than you're taking in return, I guess. Very well said. Um, our, la- our last one for you. So what is the last thing, big or small, that brought you joy? Oh, big or joy. Last thing that brought me joy, big or small. You know, I'll say this. So I, I, I work from home and the majority of my interactions are done via, um, uh, done via Zoom and all that other stuff. And so there, I don't really... In, in my job, that's basically what I do. I interact with folks via the internet for the most part. And same thing with Twitter and whatnot. So that's something that's been giving me joys as of late. My, my sister-in-law and her husband, they're in that exact same spot as I am. And so we just kind of realized that the other day that it probably is not the healthiest thing in the world for us to not have any face-to-face interaction with people. So every Friday we started getting breakfast tacos and just sitting around and talking Um, and we did that this morning that gave me a lot of joy. You know, it's just fun to, it's one fun to interact with people on a face-to-face basis, but at the same time, it's also just kind of fun to talk with the people you love and, and, and share information and stuff. So I'd say that that, that was something that definitely gave me joy this morning. 
That is awesome. So, well, String, thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate your for, time, man. For joining us before we head out. Is there anything you want to plug or or hype up? Uh, give a shout out. I to mean, you? nothing in particular, man. Just let's just go beat the hell out of Kent State. Absolutely. This is at Prop Joe says on Twitter. Is where you can uh, follow him. So, thank you again for for hopping on, taking time out of your day. Hey, my pleasure, buddy. You have a good day. All right, you too. I'll see you on the timeline. Sounds good. Have a good one, buddy. All right. Take care. <clears throat> it's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. No, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. Mm. Am I? Do I? Should I come in with some Wiz Khalifa, or is this the is this the OG I song just, here? I, I just needed to get. I need to get the blood flowing. I need to get the emotions just swir- swirling because this is our special Fast and Furious edition of There's Someone You Should Meet. It's me and Vinny coming back and coming back at you again. We're going to recap some Loki episode three. We hit this midpoint, but we're also going to do a little bit of Fast and Furious appreciation mm. day because uh, that's what every day should be, uh, to, yeah. be uh, to be honest with you. We can't that's appreciate true. it enough. Vinny, I know I just I know I just hit you with some harmony. Yeah, I just for everyone listening, I had no idea that was coming. That Josh cleared his throat, seemed like he had the Monday blues, and then dropped a set. So thank you, Josh. Josh, I'm doing good. I um, played soccer this weekend, and realizing that I'm aging very quickly, my body hurts in more ways than I can imagine. Um, I am coming to grips with what it means to age, uh, and then eventually I'll be dead one day. So how about you? How are you? about the same but that's just like when i like lift my daughter up at a weird angle instead of yeah. playing the game of soccer. yeah so Good. it's about the same but we're coming to grips with a lot of things and that could segue us to loki episode three because we're coming to grips with a lot of realities we're coming to grips with lady loki we're coming to grips mm. with uh, what it means to be a loki and we're coming to grips with some revelations about former former lovers um mm-hmm. that was a big that was the big news coming out of it and some revelations that our friends of the tva may not know that they are there against against their yeah. will so i'm gonna throw it to you Vinny. give us a recap what all did we see and what all occurred on loki episode three yeah so for you know this episode started kind of a shocker it was a uh... Sylvie, as we come to know her, is she Lady Loki? Is she Sylvie? Is she a combo of both? We're yet to find out. But Sylvie is, uh, we see the mind controlling of the TVA agent pounding, uh, I think, what, buffalo, some buffalo bites and and some margaritas like we all love to do. So she's um, clearly looking for where the timekeepers are. So then the episode breaks in. We break into the TVA. She's going to the gold doors to find the timekeepers. She really uh, murders murders quite a few people on the way. Loki catches up to her. Ravona slides in with her, her killer outfit and her cool staff. Loki, uh, she says she's going to kill Loki. Ravona says, go for it. I don't care. Um, and Loki uses the Tim pad, sends them to an apocalyptic planet called Lamentus One. We land on the Lamentus One. Uh, it's raining down 
brown pieces of planet on the on the planet and we are in, in Loki and Sylvie immediately kind of ensue in a battle duel uh, but quickly realize they need each other and that they kind of are you know fighting themselves in a way uh, come to a truce to kind of get off the planets uh, they, they have discussions, they use their powers to get on this train headed to an arc. The arc is the, is the vessel similar to, you know, a Dominique Toretto American muscle vehicle to get off of this planet or mm. to reunite with your family. Mm. Uh, they learn more about each other. Talk about love. Talk about what it means. Love is a dagger. Uh, we figure out that, uh, that Loki is, is, a, um, is a bisexual during this time. Um, then he immediately after, you know, I have to remember this guy just tried to, you know, uh, destroy a whole planet, gets blasted, gets lit, gets drunk, sings some Asgardian songs, blows their cover, gets kicked off the train. Sylvie reveals um, that she, after she jumps on the train because Loki has a temp bad, that all TVA agents, shocker, are variants. They work their way towards the arc. There's a killer oneer, and the ship is destroyed, and the episode ends. And I would just like to say, for the first time ever on this pod, a Vinny hot take came in blazing true. The rings on the table are because the variants are being reset. I know that's not 100% confirmed. I'm rolling with it, and this is me taking my victory lap. Josh, what did you think of the episode? Mm. You hate to see it when Vinny gets a hot take. I truly hate to see it. I love to see um, it. <laughs> um, I was worried at first because it was uh, apparent from the first couple minutes that we're not going to see our mm. uh, our, fa- our favorite Mr. Mobius. Yeah. Um, not not on screen for a single second. So I was worried. I was worried there for a sec. But it turned out to be a really, uh, really fun episode. I think maybe, maybe my second. I think, uh, I think I'd probably rank it number two of the three um oh, right oh. now I, what's I, last what's last josh come in you, you're taking Vinny's ranking systems throwing them out there before i can get to it what I, which was your least favorite one i think uh i think epi- i think episode two was my oh. was my uh, I feel very was, differently than you by the way anyways go I ahead episode i want i don't like when i have to go back to like thing i, I want to enjoy yeah. something it was like a right re-exposition i get it i get it it's wrong again like i like i like to remind you it's a it's a very wrong take but i hear what you're saying all right, I muted you during that. So whatever you said, I'm sure it was it was wrong. And I'm right, <laughs> um, but no, I enjoy I enjoyed the Lady Loki and Loki dynamic. I think that the train stretch, you know, and kind of revealing about you know Lo, you know Loki's past. I think that was the bit that was the big uh, new news of it all. But just kind of this dynamic that they have that you know I I go back and forth of are they really are they really connecting and relating to one another or is it a chess match to try to well, try to one up one other so I think that's been really that's been really fun uh, to follow and it's all uh, it's a good it's always a good time when you have uh, begrudging uh, frenemies coming together toward uh, towards a single uh, a single goal so I thought it made for a fun fun episode, and uh, we had a we had a Vinny wet dream at the end with kind of the uh, sing with kind of the somewhat single uh, single shot uh, through yeah. through the city to try to try to get on the arc. So that's always a uh, fil- a film buff uh, favorite yeah. there. So, the cinephiles uh, love a wonder. <laughs> yeah, everyone that was at my house, I was like, so guys, this is a wonder. This is what they do. It's all one shot. And people are like, dude, we, we've seen this before, but you're you're exactly right. So Josh called, um, you did mention that maybe I was in a, a wedding crasher last week, and then now you're talking about wet dreams. So uh, this is good for me and my extended family uh, that this is happening here. So 
Josh, I agree with you. I'll be honest. I think the show, you know, it, it's similar to where um, maybe Loki is the main character, similar to how the Mandalorian is the main character. But boy, do we love baby Yoda and boy, do we love Owen Wilson. I did miss him. I miss him. But I do think similar to a glorious purpose, we will have a glorious return next week. Um, I just shout out to this episode. I thought it was I thought it was good. Uh, I'd probably say it was my least favorite episode, not because I didn't like it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I see people on the internet calling a bottle episode uh, and the true cinephile bro definitely learned what a bottle episode was because this was very much not that. Um, and yeah. But mostly I, I think that we are in a position where we got to learn about a new character. I thought Sofia DiMartino's performance was awesome. I enjoyed her, the wittiness, the back and forth. She was kind of the perfect response, female response to Loki. Um, I thought the train, I will say like the, I, I did like this episode while it was my favorite. The train episode um, was, or sorry, the portion of the episode on the train I loved. When when Loki pulled out his, when when Loki pulled out his quill and was taking notes of what she was saying, I, did, I had a genuine chuckle, uh, uh, LOL outside. So it was, a, it was really funny. I thought it was really good. Um, again, it did feel like we were reverting back. We had to get a download for Sylvie. We had to get a download for who she was, what her motivation was. We're still not 100% clear on that, but I'm excited to move forward. Like, I'm like thinking about the dream team of Mobius, Loki, and Sylvie together, and I'm excited. So it was a good episode. It was well done. The effects were interesting. You're right. I did love the oneer. It was great. It was great. Um, and you know, I thought, Josh, if you had to rank these three trains, Polar Express, the Hogwarts Express, and the train that was in this episode, what train would you go on first? I think I think I would I think I would rank it Hogwarts number one. Mm -hmm. uh this this train this train the arc number two and polar express number uh, number three because the polar express the movie is a low-key kind of uh terrifying with, that was uh, that was literally that was my setup that movie's creepy and terrifying <laughs> and I, well, I love to tell you wrong you're absolutely correct good job uh, except when the dementors show up on the hot works express okay anyways moving i'll on. take i'll take dementors over the whatever the tom hanks ghost <laughs> on top of the train is every every day he's still haunts me yeah yeah day. I totally agree. So Josh, we're at the halfway point. We're at the halfway point and we're at halftime. We're feeling good. I would already say that this show has done a lot for me to feel pretty comfortable in my prediction that this will be the best Disney plus um, series, you know, but there's a lot of questions left to be answered there. Um, you know, I, every time these shows happen, I can't like, I can't believe we're halfway through. I can't believe we only have three episodes left. This was the way by far the shortest episode, which was interesting. What, what, do you want to see for the rest of the season for the show to be successful um, and, and to kind of keep the momentum that in my opinion is, is moving along nicely. What I'm looking forward to and what I would really like to see come, come together and coin at the end is throughout this series, each episode Loki has come to grips with, with some kind of reality that he, that he didn't experience, or at least the mm -hmm. Loki that we have gone through with in the series when you know the first one, it was seeing uh, it was seeing his mom die from um, from Thor: The Dark World, and seeing his own seeing his own death from Thanos. Se second episode, it was him seeing that his home planet wa was destroyed uh, from from Ragnarok, and now in the, and now in this episode, it was kind of getting to know a variant of him of himself 
yeah, and kind of discovering uh, different different things that may have not been right right for him. You know, and of course we have this discovery about you know his, his past. So I feel like it's a lot of him kind of coming to grips with these new realities, and that and I'm curious of like if this is if this is leading if this is leading to like one grand send off of the Loki that we know, or if this is a, another grand introduction for like the next era of Loki for those uh, who are like me and just have a, just know that there, that comic book books exist and that there's comic book backstories. There's many versions of this Loki. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that there is a, I forget the name, like a, ch- uh, like a young Loki. Kid Loki. Kid Loki. Kid, uh, yeah. kid Loki. Kid Loki. I've seen rumors that that may be like the next stage of Loki. So I'm kind of curious. So I'm kind of curious of because I think with him, I think with him and Sylvie, I think what we're leading to, at least to me, it looks like it's going to be one of them is going to make a grand sacrifice of yeah. of sorts. This is you know Loki, the ultimate. He's no, he's a master of mis- mischief. They tell him that you know his purpose is to create the best versions of others. You know, so maybe this is you know him or Sylvie or them coming together to make the best version of, of Loki through through one another so i'm curious to see how that's going to just kind of come together because we've we've journeyed with them for you know pretty much a a decade at this point and now he's still feeling he's he's been able to feel uh fresh and still able to bring these different aspects uh to his character um that we're that we're all for so i don't know what i really want to see if this is a great big swan song for tom hiddle Hiddleston to give him a great send off, or if this is a new, like a new adventure ever coming on. So I'm really, fa- I'm really fascinated to see uh, how that culminates in the end. How about you? Yeah. Well, first off, Loki season two is apparently happening. <laughs> who, who is Loki? I don't know. Um, but no, I totally agree. I think my favorite thing about this season, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, is and why I loved Mobius and Owen Wilson's performance so much is that we stripped. Loki of all of his powers and then in this episode even though his powers returned in a sense they were inadequate because he was fighting a version of himself is that actually a version of himself you know we'll see we'll see what happens I think there's a lot of questions to be answered but he's been stripped down of so much you know he's getting to play a role a much more sympathetic figure a figure that is relying much more on his emotional self and it's really been interesting to me and my favorite part of this Um, so that's what I want to continue to see for the rest of the season is I think this him coming to grips with his own inadequacy with him coming to grips that there's other Loki variants of himself that might be more efficient at doing what he does and I think that's why it was so great to see these two characters and they kind of really kind of both exemplified that on screen that they both thought the other one was ridiculous because they were almost the supreme being version of themselves so I really love to see that and I agree with you I think we're moving towards a way where these different Loki variants are going to probably have to deal with other Loki variants and and kind of have to figure out what they really stand for and what differentiates the two so I thought that was really great um it was Josh would you be romantically attracted to yourself because i asked that question multiple times during this episode that's really good i uh like loki's the master of mischief i'm the master of self-deprecation uh <laughs> and so i wonder if i would be that way towards a version of my 
self or or if I would just turn turn that in inward and I would say uh I think I think me and my uh, the variant myself would find common ground and I think we both relate and then yeah I think mm. we'd have a nice I think we'd have a nice I don't know if it would go I don't know if it would go like romantic but definitely just good <laughs> just definitely good bros you know we could share yeah. beer share beer with I was in a female version of yourself, but that's okay too. But the, uh, you know, you I can, yeah, you can I, share a beer with a female version. Goodness. Oh, that's true. Oh, so, man. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, no, I mean, so short episode. I know we're going to, we got other things to get to. Major prediction. Give me your one blazing hot take uh, for the rest of the season. One, your one major prediction that you think is coming. I think one predictor is uh, we're going to, this isn't much of a hot take because I, I this isn't much of a I'll have one general take and I'll have one I'll mm, I have like a hot prediction. So uh in addition to like the Loki Sylvie stuff, I think the uh, Romoana and Mobius uh relationship will be also really fun to see how it culminates because as there was some just, serious romantic vibes there. I'll just say that off the bat. They got they got some good vibes, but also yeah, you know, vibes. Mobius has mentioned he's never met the time he's never met the timekeepers before. Yeah. We find out on this episode that TVA agents are indeed variants that have been you know manipulated into work, working for the timekeepers. And Ramona has referred to talking, you know, or receiving messages from the timekeepers so i feel like there's some alluding that she knows she knows more than mobius does and this is that's gonna it's gonna be a hard it's gonna be a hard moment for our guy owen to realize mm-hmm. that i feel like you're gonna have this kind of heartbreaking uh, betrayal there between the two so that's gonna be exciting to kind of see them face off whether that's a, a battle you know or betrayal backstabbing or mobius trick tricks or however that that looks that'll be that'll be a cool um plot line to see kind of come come to fruition yeah it's basically guess, miss it's basically mr and mrs mrs smith right is that what you're saying uh, one of yes. the greatest movies of all time I yes guess. they're going to be holding whatever those little pokey things that erase people are yeah and then just go dang it i just love you so much and <laughs> i'm going off the rails um my major prediction is uh I'm going to go. So I talked about it. I feel like it's going to be either a great sacrifice for Loki or great sacrifice for Sylvie. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I think Hiddleston, I don't think he wants, I think he just loves, he just loves, he loves working for Marvel Mm -hmm. too much. I'm predicting that Sylvie is going to sacrifice herself in order to say, save Loki in some, in some sense, whether that's from literal danger or to get him to realize a new a new glorious purpose as they've referred referred to um so that is my that's my predictor and it's going to send off loki into this new into this new era and next phase of marvel so that's my yeah. that's my big prediction for okay for okay and so okay how, what say you well here's my prediction i think that you know obviously i think we we can see where this is headed tvas are the bad guys you know, Mobius and Sylvie, Loki team up. This is what I think. They're going to open those big golden doors. They're going to reveal the timekeepers. It's not going to be Kane the Conqueror. It's not going to be Doom. It's going to be Loki himself. And I think the, you know, Richard E. Gant is going to be in this show. I think of one version of, I could see Loki having to almost destroy himself in a way. Um, and it's kind of managing the timekeepers as a true God of mischief. So short and sweet, 
the timekeepers are Loki. I like it. I hate how much I like it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm batting like a thousand percent on my predictions and still never be wrong. So yeah, um, the, the human cheat code, Vince Nunley, mm, everyone. Yeah. So, all right, we're going to cut it short on Loki because we have bigger and grander things mm-hmm. to talk about. And that is the return the return of cinema, the movie theaters are yeah make, making a comeback. Yeah, Josh, it's funny. You know, I start, you know, oh, Vince, you're on this podcast. Like, why? I'm, I just love movies. You know, I, I get into movies and I am always dishing out recommendations. And so there's there's some rich, rich humor in that. So far in this podcast, we've discussed a Disney Plus show uh, from the Marvel Universe. And our first movie is Fast 9. Let's ride, baby. I promise one of these days we'll talk about some cool hipster movie that will win an Oscar. But that day is not today because we are talking about Dominique Toretto family fast cars and maybe one of the greatest progressions of movie history of all time so mm-hmm. josh 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 where are you at with the fast movies these days before we get into that i'm going to list off marvel characters and then you're going to tell me who would win between them and dominique toretto okay right. thanos dominique toretto that that big like evil planet from doctor strange dominique toretto <laughs> the the incredible the incredible hulk and thor like two on one against dominic toretto did they hurt his family before yes they insulted his family beforehand dominic toretto good we- <laughs> yes uh, yes indeed the greatest superhero of our of our time can you believe that's been 20 years since the very first the fast oh my and the various it was just a little crew of guys who were just trying to make a living so they stole dvd players and just what a great underdog underdog story to be yeah. ripping off 18 wheelers to now saving the world mm-hmm. um, multiple times uh numerous yeah. numerous yeah. dragging dragging safes on highways carrying them via corvette um throwing ronda rousey uh, out of a skyscraper mm. to her to her death just yeah it's just amazing it's untold people talk about craziness stuff but really they don't talk about the humble roots that is yeah. the, that is the Tourette toretto family vince what what were you up to in the year 2001 so fun fact josh i actually went on my um first date to the fast and the furious movie I'll never forget it because I remember spending uh, probably 75% of the movie wondering if I should hold my then date's hand in the movie. I believe I did. And believe when, when our hands made contact, I was uh, felt as if I was in a swamp. I was so nervous and sweaty. Uh, and we just sat there and let our hands just sweat all over each other. Um, and it really just has not aged well knowing what uh, came this year with the global pandemic. Um, handholding is not no longer supported. Um, but yeah, I, I actually remember, you know, falling young love in one of these movies, um, similar to the love that I have for this franchise series. What were you doing? I was, I was, I was, uh, I was 10 years old for what it's worth. Um, I was, I was going, I was going into, I just puberty. Sixth grade. Puberty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I was going into puberty. I was most likely staring in the mirror, just popping whiteheads. Because um, oh, those are sprout, those are sprouting up all over the place. I was probably smelling something fierce, mm-hmm. um, polo black, probably. Because I feel like at that time, if you when 
at that age, if you just if you're outside for like five minutes, you smell you smell like a burning dumpster um, <laughs> there. So uh, it was a lot of problems, like a lot of awkwardness. You know, definitely made me the podcaster I am yeah. today. That that's yeah. for sure because I carried. If you that- had if you had to say what fast Fast and Furious character you were when it comes to podcasting, who would it be? I'm gonna go back to the very first one. My favorite. I don't want to spoil anything because we're. T- it wouldn't be there's someone you should meet with Vinny and Josh without some power rankings, mm. but I'm gonna spoil my power rankings because my my number one forever and always is the Fast and the Furious, and probably mm-hmm. my most relatable character that I would probably be is uh, one Jesse from the mm. Fast and the Furious. Um, if you're not familiar, there he's only in one. It's the first one. He's just this uh, neurotic dork who loves who loves cars but everybody loves him he just wanted to make his dad proud and he ended up just jesse he just got into some shenanigans and uh spoiler alert it got him got him shot mm. at the very mm. at the very appropriately named race wars yeah so that's how that's how great this <laughs> series is is that it transcends very very inappropriately named yeah let's talk about things that have not aged well the race wars good lord we just accept it yeah it went from the race wars to maybe the 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 most probably the most diverse cast for any like blockbuster yeah if you really really yeah i'm dead so serious that's so true that like there yeah there's so many stars from different countries different different ethnicities and stuff it's like truly it's pretty spectacular so josh should we should we should we cut to the chase and should we should we rank them? Hey, yes. this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you just because I truly think this this so Josh, here, here's a fun fact. Tell me this. Tell me the if you had to guess where, and so when I say this, the highest grossing movie franchises of all time. So when I say movie franchises, I mean like okay, you get to count every you know movie from a certain series. Where do you think the Fast and the Furious ranks? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say top three that's you're you're wrong but you're not that <laughs> far off but guess but this right. is the thing it's like it's the one of the it's top 10 but it's like the only one that is not based on like pre-existing like ip it's uh, i mm-hmm. think just a quick chicago tribune google search it's actually uh, number seven on my list but you know you got marvel star wars james bond batman harry potter spider-man and um and and then you run that in there so pretty crazy to think about um so that being said all right, Josh, I just want to to just call out the incredible progression, as you've already mentioned, of this series. So as we rank, we're going to rank one through eight because we don't want to spoil nine here. So here we go. The Fast and the Furious um, rankings. And so I'm going to do a quick, quick summary just to show you what has happened since this. Ready? Do you think I can do this in under three minutes? Let's try it. Let's do it. Deep breath. The Fast and Furious. So an undercover LAPD officer infiltrates a local street racing gang only to fall affectionately in love with the crew. Movie ends in a drag race where Brian lets Dom go. Too fast, too furious. The same LAPD officer now turned real street racer, friends with Ludacris, offered amnesty, reunites with an old friend to take down a drug lord, drives his car into a yacht. Shout out to Eva Mendez. Tokyo Drift, a prequel about a washed out high school football player from Odessa, Permian, Texas. Fresh off a state title loss, adopted into a street drifting game 
game, gets involved with a local crime, crime group, meets a guy named Han who is dangerously handsome. Han dies at the end of the movie. Fast and Furious, Dominic Toretto, now international criminal, hijacks fuel tankers but disbands to protect his family. He reunites with now FBI staff Brian O'Connor to track down Letty's killer. Oh yeah, Letty died. He leads an international crime chase as Dom giving himself up for Brian at the end of the movie, calling back to the first one. And Dom is sentenced to 25 years in the pen. Brian O'Connor, Dom's sister, worked together to free Dom in Fast Five, free him from prison. Enter Hobbs, a.k.a. The Rock, who is brought in to track, track down Dom and company. They find Crime Lord data, bring it back to the Dream Team. The Dream Team gets back together. They're captured by Hobbs, ambushed in Brazil, left with Hobbs. Hobbs joins the team. This is where the movie goes insane and totally jumps a shark. They drive a safe through Rio. Hobbs lets them go, but he won't let them take the money. But twist alert. They are switched to safes. They're super rich. Fast six, retired life is treating our fast friends well. Dom finds out Letty is actually alive, has been brainwashed by an international mercenary named Owen Shaw, who steals high-tech devices worth billions of dollars. We've gone from DVDs and nine-inch TVs to billions of dollars. Hob offers immunity for the crew to take down Shaw. Letty shoots Dom. Dom beats her in a street race. Shaw has a tank. Then Diesel drives across a bridge 100 miles an hour, tackles Letty. Gal Gadot dies at the end of this movie so she can go make mediocre Wonder Woman movies Mm -hmm. and the whole gang is pardoned. And yeah, that's seven. Han dies. Owen Shaw survives. He's a missing ingredient to all the fast movies. Enters Jason Satham. He vows to take revenge for his brother. Hobbs and Shaw have a great fist fight. The Rock falls from a building, breaks his arm. Mr. Nobody, played by the great Kurt Russell, enters the chat, offers Dom craft beer. Uh, but Dom says he only drinks Coronas. They explain the God Eye. The team assembles, skydives cars across multiple skyscrapers, captures Missandei from Game of Thrones. They go to Abu Dhabi. Ronda Rousey and Letty have a really awesome fist fight. And uh, yeah, and then Dom again, uh, driving driving cars in between buildings. Uh, the Rock at one point sees the, the chaos going as the great street fight in LA. He literally flexes his cast off. Uh, Letty says, I hope you brought the Calvary. And he says, woman, I am the Calvary. The fate of the furious. Dom goes rogue, betrays Hobbs. But we learn that the Brazilian ex-girlfriend from Fast Five has Dom's uh, baby mama, a dreaded Charlie's Theron, terrible cultural appropriation, kidnaps the kid and the girlfriend. Hobbs and Shaw both escape from prison. And Mr. Nobody says that was the plan all along. And a beautiful friendship blossoms between The Rock and Jason Statham. Uh, the Rock tells him, I'm going to knock your teeth so far down your throat, you're going to stick a toothbrush right up there, to, right up your ass to brush them. Dom is asked to steal nuclear codes, codes, so we've gone from DVDs to nuclear codes. His crew tries to stop him. He won't shoot Letty. They literally go to Russia, where a submarine has nukes. Dom worked with Shaw's mom to bring back both villains back, and Shaw saved Dom Kid through an insane action scene where he fights people on an airplane in a baby seat, in a car seat. Whew, that's it. All right, Josh. How'd mm-hmm. I do? <laughs> I know this is an audio podcast. They can't see me tearing up. Right? Yeah. I'm just so, so proud. I, I should have said we all cried at the end of Fast 7, but you, when you sang Wiz Khalifa at the beginning. All right, Josh, I want you to, let's hear them. Rank them off as fast as you go. Just tell me your movies and I'm going to respond in time. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go worse. I'm going to go worse to first. Okay. Here, I'm going to go with fat, Fast and Furious. That's number, number four. I'm gonna go with that with uh, with last. Then I'm gonna go with Tokyo Drift, second to last. Wrong, uh, but go ahead. <laughs> then I'm gonna go too too fast, too furious, mainly because those are those are mainly those are the ones I've seen the least. So I'm probably oh just being gosh. I'm probably just being unfair. I'm so and, upset. Go ahead. Uh, and then I would probably go fast. I'd probably go fast eight uh, next. Then mm-hmm. I would go uh, 
Fast Fast and Furious Six. After that, um, then for my top three, I would go uh, for number three. I'd go Furious Seven, uh, Two Fast Five, and number one, uh, the Fat the Fast and the Furious. Okay, here's the good news. Your one through three are the same as mine, but in a different order. My number one is is Furious 7 because it's just the emotional tearbreaker, the Paul Walker death. Really genuinely like heart moving, heartbreaking in a way. Um, so that's my favorite one. Number two for me is Fast Five. There's no better scene in all this than the safe scene in Rio um, and the big shocker at the end that they the two dudes from Brazil helped them move the switch over and all the money that comes out. And three is the OG Fast and Furious. Josh, I don't care about it. Those are all great movies. Josh, Too Fast, Too Furious is number four. That movie's incredible. Eva Mendez, and you get Tyrese put in there, the ejecto seat cuz, pocket scene empty, truly a classic, and I will go to bat for that movie any day of the week. Um, one of the yeah. kind of more bizarre scenes is when the rat is eating through the guy's stomach that they heat up the bucket. I like still have nightmares about that to this day. Yeah. Um, Underrated torture f- scene for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely one of my top my top favorite torture scenes. Uh, yeah, Tokyo Drift is my number five. Did you know that was a prequel? It is not a prequel. It is a, it is like in the a timeline. Meekle, it's like, middle, it's like, it's like in the middle. It's like number seven in the, if you're going by time, a timeline. I guess. Yeah. All right. You're getting technical on me, whatever. Okay. So number five, Tokyo Drift, I think 99% based on how handsome Han is. Number six for me, Fast and Furious six. Um, you know, good, good stuff. Good stuff overall. Um, number seven, Fast and Furious. I think I've seen it one time. Number four, just really missed the make. The, the crew, the crew was like not reunited in that movie. And number eight, Fate of the Furious. I hate to say it. The movie, um, Charlize Theron, let's get her in. Like, we don't need Charlize Theron in the Fast and Furious franchise, um, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, I just think that um, Dom turning bad and, and, and all that was just not needed. So I'll be curious where number nine falls in. But um, just, you know, one of those movies and one of those series that just is just filler. It's just candy. It's like going to Fogo de Chao and eating your way until you just feel sick. And you know what? Sometimes in life you need that. And that's where I'm at with the series. Yeah. You know, a lot of people um, have come to me um, ask, asking, um, why, why, why did I bring Vince on the pod? Why did I bring Vince on the pod? That was a terrible idea. <laughs> So many better, so many better options. Josh, I told it, you to delete. I told you to delete my mom's cell phone number. <laughs> she, I've tried to. She keeps trying to remind me. And anyways, they usually come. It usually comes out. Uh, a lot of them just ask, like, "Hey, why'd you bring the Buster on the pod?" And I always respond, "Cause the Buster took me out of handcuffs." <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! You brought yeah. up. You brought up Charlize Theron. I did agree on on fast eight i think it was a little a step too much because that's been part of the fun of the series mm-hmm. have been these kind of new new adi- new additions you know with fast five gal gadot i mean up. we brought gal gadot into this world through the fast movies may yeah, she rest that. in peace giselle one of the most underrated characters in my opinion but never, yeah right? and we never we never saw her oh like, she's hit patient she's, yeah i mean we never saw the gut spill and you know what even if we did by this universe rolls we could bring her back because han definitely got like you know t-bone pretty good in in in, in sport well it's not a spoiler he's in the trailer he's back han's yeah. back yeah, so so we've seen these one yeah so you have gal gadot you've had the rock and fast five you've uh-huh. had rot you've had ronda rouse ronda rousey you've had the great helen mirren 
show up jason statham so you've had some like really fun appearances but then you had some like charlie staring that is this huge star but it, it didn't just quite it didn't quite fit in it yeah in, in the moment looking for and now for fast nine you have the rock wannabe john cena come, mm-hmm. coming in what's uh, like a sidebar what's more realistic the rock flexing a cast off of his arm or john mm-hmm. cena being blood related to vin diesel definitely the rock um flexing off his arm because i'm afraid that man can do anything josh i i like to think of myself as the rock flexing uh every time uh somebody has a you have a bad take on this podcast and i have to break out of a hospital to come save the world from your terrible takes um so just i it's even more impressive because you're having to flex out of just a human cast with what i what you're having to put up with on this end of things but back to all these show-ups. So yeah, there's been some really fun ones and then some appearances that have been Maso Menos, uh, to quote my Spanish one teacher. Uh, who would who who do you think would be, who would you like to see pop pop up, whether it be for a cameo or to be the next the next villain? I feel like that's become kind of the new excitement behind these films is who is Toretto gonna put up with next. So who do you think mm-hmm. would be a great who do you think would be a great fit to arrive uh, to arrive for you know number nine and ten and ten and beyond in this series? Yeah, Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd as this bad guy that just like it has no temper, uh, kind of takes things personally, almost like reenacting like his Parks and Rec character. Um, and then it just would be hilarious to me to watch these these like have a super mild manner villain in this fast series, but that's like actually super vicious. So that's my that's my off. Um, that's probably one of my wildest takes. Um, Paul Rudd straight from the Marvel universe to this. Um, but yeah, I think that would be test. You know, and then there's also if you want to just get super serious with it, like a, you know, like a, um, I don't know, I. I just, I just like where they're going with this. I, th- I don't think we need, we don't, we don't need to put good actors and actresses in the show. We need, this is, they do stupid stuff and it's perfect. And honestly, yeah, there's a lot of them aren't good actors already. So that's okay. What about you? Who's your dream cast? Um, probably what we talked about in episode one, which is still available on Spotify and iTunes for everyone to listen to. If you'd like to go. Jeffrey go back. Bezos, <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. Are you, are you there? <laughs> Ch- uh, chilies please we haven't uh, you haven't returned my calls um, oh you meant so we mentioned in the first one so universal owns fast and furious which also owns another franchise uh, known as jurassic park and uh and our mr oh uh, yeah mr film fest buff himself Vinny dro- uh, dropped a line in episode one of our pod that there is a possibility of these crossing paths and nothing would make me happier than than dom than dom toretto going through a tunnel and he comes out the other side and it's and it's a t-rex wait waiting for him or blue the mm. velociraptor yeah um, and his team showing up and they got to team up that's that's the team up we need um that's that's what i'm that's what i'm waiting for i've heard that space may get involved in this fast nine movie so why not dino- why not dinosaurs you know people yeah. are going to be shell- shelling out for yeah. it so bring, what about bring- elon musk what about elon musk bring he, him in he would be a great he would be a great villain he would be a great yeah he's pay- he pays off you know maybe someone in the crew you know he <laughs> manipulates he manipulates tyrese to join him who, kn- 
who knows? So maybe Chris, maybe Chris Pratt comes in from the Jurassic, from the Jurassic World, mm. um, to help out, and you get a little showdown with him, him and Dom. So it's just it's it's hard. Like there's so few franchises that, and that's the beauty. You mentioned how this is one of the, it's one of the most successful franchises of all time, and maybe and arguably maybe the, uh, maybe next to Star, maybe next to Star Wars the most successful like original like non-prior ip for it mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it is that there you know you feel like there's even when it's wackier in each time they still are finding some kind of way to you know bring action that hasn't been seen before or new you know new villains and kind of plot plot lines to make it feel you know fre- fresh still and not, and still kind of being uh, original each time it comes out without without getting stale and uh i know people like to joke about the ludicrousness of that pun intended <laughs> but uh, i can't i can't i tried to hold it in but I was, <laughs> uh, josh and i are recent dads and our humor is fully uh, transitioned to uh this yeah. so but uh but you really ha- you really have to give the franchise credit like no other franchise has been able to create this fun of action that people keep wanting keep wanting to see yeah and it's really it's it's really is like a, te- a testament to go now 20 20 years that going from a what started as a point break ripoff of sorts is now essentially its own comic book at this mm-hmm. at this point just i i i very much look forward to the uh 10 episode netflix documentary that's like the oral history of the past yeah franchise i'm excited to be back in this world you know we don't need 100 fast and furiouses but they're good and it's it's you know from a very serious note they're doing it's killing it at the box office movie theaters need movies like this to exist and for us to get back into the movie theaters so i'm i love to see that that what's happening and you know for every Fast and Furious movie gets made, one of my beautiful film festival movies gets made as well because there's a place to distribute them. So um, I'm looking forward to diving into this uh, when I can get into a theater. I refuse to uh, watch it anywhere besides on the big screen. So Josh, I, I, uh, I'm excited that we got to dive into this. I, I will ask that you um, revisit Too Fast, Too Furious um, and, and let the reckoning come towards you and we can uh, make sure that we can update that here in the future. Uh, we're gonna end this. We're gonna end this shindig on a bang. Um, Vinny, I've always admired the way the way you're able to uh, defend yourself against against the haters. You've had to deal with it your whole mm-hmm. life, from birth. Yeah, it's to, true. Uh, to daycare, elementary school, literally just <laughs> so so much vitriol has been spewed your way. And you've you've been able to come out of the other side unscathed. Yeah. I've always appreciated that. So we're going to have a special special edition of grade that take haters edition because for some reason people mm. there's a contingency of people out there that still try to hate on these movies. They deserve their proper comeuppance. So I am going to just say a few responses that, quite frankly, ignorant people have said have said before and you're mm-hmm. gonna and you're gonna grade you're gonna grade that take and maybe come back and just um just have mm-hmm. have your moment in the sun here's the first one the fast and the furious franchise is overrated and the plots of these movies are just so dumb what would you say that is a c plus take 
these plots of these movies are perfect in every which way. Uh, every day that we get a little bit more dumb, the more beautiful they get. Uh, I mean, literally, I watched a video earlier of Fast and Furious 1, and they were selling like a Panasonic 9824 side black and white TV and some DVD players. And we're literally talking about billions of dollars, nuclear codes um, and crime families. It's beautiful. Um, we they are not overrated. We need to realize that what we're getting ourselves into. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful mess. And sometimes we need that in life. That's a terrible take. Anybody that says that takes themselves too seriously. Next question. Amen. Amen. If you, I know y'all can't see us right now, but I just have my hands reaching towards, <laughs> towards us. Praise hands. <laughs> yes. Praise hand emojis all around. Next one. How could you like these movies? Vin Diesel isn't even that good of an actor. And you know what? That's a, that's a, that's a great take. He's a terrible actor. He's not good. He's not good but he's perfect. And he is Dominic Toretto. And you know what? He completely just like completely changed his role here. And you know what? He doesn't need to be a good actor because he just needs to drive and he needs to get out wrenches and beat people. And when he looks at me in the eye and he in, 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 in that, in this movie, and he says to me, you know, this is a street fight and the street always wins. And then he hulks, stomps on the ground, and then his villain crashes through the garage. Like, I don't need Daniel Day-Lewis to deliver that line to me. I need this big, beautiful, beefy man too. And he does a great job. And so he doesn't need to be a good actor. Uh, do I Do I, I watch Triple X? It was on TV this weekend. He's terrible in it. And all of the props from that movie look like VCRs. And you know what? It doesn't matter. He's perfectly cast here. We, we, we love a perfect casting. We don't need amazing award-winning performances. We'll get into those on this podcast. Uh, he's a terrible actor. He really hasn't done anything I thought he's been good in, but no one else could pull off Dominique Toretto like anyone else. I've always loved your Dominique Toretto impressions. Do you mind just giving me one of your favorite Dominique Toretto <laughs> quotes in your best Vin Diesel voice? voice? I, need, <laughs> I need to look up a quote. Give me a second. All right, Josh. So my favorite Dominique Toretto is that he sounds like he smokes a pack of uh, camel silvers a day, uh, which, you know, in a past life, I used to enjoy those things as well. So when he says, I don't got friends, I've got family. <laughs> oh, man. But I mean, or when he says, <laughs> I, I'm literally looking at this quote, it says, you thought this was going to be a street fight. You're goddamn right it is. <laughs> Funny thing about street fights, the street always wins. <laughs> Man, the clip. Uh, mm. You're spot, you're hey. spot on. Uh, let's go support our local cinemas and see Fast 9. Uh, so Josh, it's been good chatting up with you. I'm excited to keep getting into it. Um, movies are back. I think we talked on our first pod. If they, I, I, you know, as silly as it is, I think mm -hmm. Fast 9 was kind of the signal of movies being back. I'm thrilled that they're back. I think we're going to have a lot of almost a movie every single week to discuss. Me and you got to get back in the theaters. Um, we'll keep diving into Loki, but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you and your guests this week. And just a quick shout out, follow us on social media. We kind of are tracking our thoughts as we move along. Um, and we're going to, we're going to release a Twitter account this week for, for this class and, and go from there. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Appreciate you Vince. Until next time, Josh. See Thanks ya. Thanks are always good. Later, bud. <laughs>